Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100 New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That is a no-brainer. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on the NHL, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $100 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So the Avalanche's four-game series against the Golden Knights has finally come to an end, and... I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Bad thing because this was some great hockey to watch, two of the best teams in the league, in my opinion, and also a good thing because I am very tired of seeing Marc-Andre Fleury every single night, and I think the Avalanche are very tired of him too because for the second time in this series, the Avalanche were shut out by Marc-Andre Fleury and the Golden Knights, losing 3-0 in the fourth and final game of the series against the Golden Knights and splitting the series two to two before they move on to play the Minnesota Wild on Wednesday as I am recording this. Safe to say this fourth game was definitely the weakest of the series for the Avalanche against Vegas and I wouldn't even say Vegas like 
really beat them that badly. They blew up in the second period and potted all three goals of the game. At the Avalanche, they just look sloppy. I mean, they just, they weren't firing on any cylinders. I wouldn't really say anybody looked particularly good, but the reason I'm not overly, like, annoyed at it is because I just don't think it would have mattered. Marc-Andre Fleury, which is once again, was not getting beat in this game, but there just wasn't a lot of positives to talk about in this game, really. I mean, the Stars got completely shut down. McKinnon didn't really do much. Rantanen was definitely way too fancy from almost start to finish. Kale McCarr looked mediocre, I have to admit, just didn't look all that great. I wouldn't really say anyone really stuck out to me. Even Grubauer, he played well, but the third goal wasn't great. And he made good saves. He kept it from being a blowout, and obviously not his fault. Like I talked about in the one nothing loss to Vegas, so you can't blame the goalie in a shutout loss. And, you know, whatever. He made 25 saves, not his greatest game of the season, but that's also some tough competition because he has had some really good games so far this season. This one just doesn't rank, and ultimately, this series ends the way I expected it to. I would have been honestly surprised if either side came out of this four-game series with an advantage. We finish it up 2-2, two to two. we don't gain any ground, we don't lose any ground, and... I suspect that's how the season series is going to go against Vegas. I suspect we'll win two more, and they'll win two more, and it'll go 4-4-0 four, four, oh the rest of the way against them. I am a little surprised none of these games went to overtime, though. I was expecting at least one, and we came close, obviously, with the Nazem Kadri late winner in the second game. And that ultimately ended up being big. Vegas doesn't gain any ground on the avalanche, and we stay at four points apiece. And we are two points behind Vegas. Last I checked, Vegas, or I th actually, no, we were two points behind them last time. So now we are four points behind Vegas. They have, we have one game in hand with one less game played. Ultimately, I don't think that's going to be that much of a concern. Obviously, Vegas 11, 4, and 1, 23 points. Colorado 9, 5, and 1, 19 points. 0.719 points percentage for Vegas, 0.633 for Colorado. This this was a very even series, and I wouldn't say my opinion of any of these teams, whether it be Colorado or Vegas, really change over the course of this series. I feel the same about the Avalanche as I did coming in, and I feel the same about Vegas. Actually, I think Colorado's closer to Vegas than maybe I initially expected. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Vegas in three of the four games. I'd, I'd say they outplayed them in three of the four games, even that first one. If Colorado's not coming off a week-and-a-half break, that game, at minimum, goes to overtime, and the Avalanche get at least a one-point advantage out of this series. Marc-Andre Fleury stood on his head. I might just be straight-up lying about maybe getting a point out of that game. It might not have even mattered with how well he played. But I thought there were definitely stretches of that game where they outplayed Vegas. They definitely outplayed Vegas for, I'd say, a majority of the time in the second game. The outdoor game was definitely their best performance against Vegas in this series, especially the first period, that mess of a first period, and the second period, and large stretches of the third as well. And this game was just sloppy. 
all around pretty much from start to finish. Yes, the Avalanche end the game out shooting them, but you, you can't just look at shots. There are, especially early in the game, Vegas was heavily out shooting Colorado before a late flurry on net from the Avalanche tilted the scale back in their favor, but they wasn't great chances. Like I said, no one really looked particularly good in that game. Just very, very meh. Bo Byram had a rough night. He kicked a puck into the own his own net that made it two to nothing and got beat pretty bad on the third goal. Just not a great game for anybody, really. But those are gonna happen over the course of a season. Nothing to really complain about too much about as long as you don't see those kind of performances consistently, and as long as it doesn't happen again against Minnesota, I think this team will be just fine. And speaking of this series against Vegas, I decided to wrap it up and bring aboard one of my fellow THPN hosts, Dave Aikman of the Vegas Nightly Podcast. I had a great conversation with him that lasted about 40 minutes. Dave, Dave and the guys at Vegas Nightly are just fantastic. In my opinion, one of the stronger shows on the hockey podcast network those guys are excellent over there and me and dave talked for a while just looking back at this series previewing what we think is going to be an inevitable playoff matchup between us what's going on with mark andre flurry what's going to be coming up in the offseason just a really great talk dave is he has a great hockey mind he is truly truly excellent and we'll get into all that in just a few minutes, I briefly wanted to talk about tonight's upcoming game against the Minnesota Wild. A little bit of a shakeup coming to the lines here, and gotta admit, I was a little surprised by it, but overall, not too much. I think the biggest surprise was Matt Calvert jumping up to the second line and replacing Andre Burakovsky up there. Second line of Matt Calvert, Nazem Kadri, and Jonas Donskoy. Brandon Saad will be missing tonight's game, not because of injuries or COVID-related. It's because he's having a kid. The Saad father is having a kid, so he is not going to be available for this game, and I hope he takes as much time as he needs. But Burakovsky bumped down to the third line, and hard to argue that, I would say. He has gone cold lately and quite frankly I've had enough I'm kind of sick of the the hot and cold and the on and off switch you gotta you gotta find a switch and stick with it he started the season hot he looked like one of the better players on the team in the first few games before he got hurt gets hurt comes back doesn't really do much and he's gone cold these last few games and now he needs to find a spark somewhere you know, and he's not being given the best of line mates with Comfer and Nachushkin, but, you know, tough luck. Matt Calvert has earned it. He played, he hasn't scored a goal so far this season, but he's playing hard. He's playing very hard. He's getting his chances. He's throwing the body around. He went, he got in the face of Ryan Reeves at the end of the Vegas game. I mean, he's got some cojones right now. And Andre Burakovsky has been invisible for the most part after starting hot this season. So what's Bednar to do? Burakovsky's not performing right now. And knowing Burakovsky, he's going to break out of it eventually and go on a hot streak. But also knowing Burakovsky, that hot streak's going to end and he's going to go right back into a slump. So he's got fi- to figure it out here. We can't keep doing this hot and cold, oh, this uh, confidence. Like, like you're 26 now, man. You're not a prospect anymore. We Everyone knows what you are. You know what you are. The, the organization knows what you are. 
we can't keep doing the same stuff that you did in Washington, where it's just, ah, he's, he'll figure it out. Ah, it's a, he's in his head right now. We can't keep doing this. It's time It's time for him to figure it out. Like, I just, I don't want to keep doing this. Or is he goes hot and, oh, he's one of the better players on the team. And then he goes cold. It's like, ah, he's getting bumped down to the bottom six again. Tend to figure it out, man. I mean, there's nothing else to really say. We need him. We need all of that depth scoring. And it's it's not just Burakovsky. It's Kompfer. It's Nichushkin. It's we need more consistency from Nazem Kadri. Like we need we need more from a lot of people. Yes, we came out of this Vegas series all right at two and two. Could have gone better. Also could have gone a lot worse, but I think we just need to see a little more. I mean, Matt Calvert is playing very hard, and Belmar is also playing very, very hard. We need we need to see more from Jost, even though he's working very hard and skating hard. I think really what it comes down to is Burakovsky needs to be better and start burying these pucks and get out of his own head. Comfort needs to just, I don't know what he needs to do, but my God, you got to do something. I don't know if you need to go to bed earlier. I don't like change everything, I guess. Whatever your pregame routine is, it's not working. Tape your stick the opposite way. Put the other shoe on first. I'd, I don't know what to tell you, man. He has been bad. Like burakovsky has been invisible at times, but I wouldn't say he's been bad. Comfort has been bad. Yes, he had the penalty kill in the outdoor game against Vegas, but that is your job, man. You're supposed to be able to do that, and it shouldn't be a one-time thing. Like, oh, he did something finally. This needs to be a thing. Just, we need more. And I hope they can do it against the Wild. You're not playing Marc-Andre Fleury tonight. You're playing Capo Kakinen. I just hope we can see a little bit more from this team because there's more to give not saying they've been bad but there is more to give here i'm not frustrated i'm not mad at them i'm plenty satisfied with how this series went but at the same time i can very well acknowledge that there is more to give with this team than what i'm seeing there is more talent here and quite frankly there can be more effort here and that is why matt calvert is on the second lines because he's given it his all every night despite the fact that he's coming off another concussion He's still giving it his all and giving it to Ryan Reeves at the end of the game. I mean, that's effort. That's what's going to get you into the lineup. But anyway, moving on now to my interview with Dave Aikman of the Vegas Nightly Podcast. This was an excellent conversation, and Dave is really just the best. We talked for a while about, like I said, we talked about this series. We talked about what it might look like for the rest of the season. We talked about goaltending situation. We talked about basically everything that would have had to do with these teams and capped off by our predictions of what would happen if the Avalanche and Golden Knights were to meet in the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. And we're pretty convinced it's going to happen. I have, I have very least am very convinced that we are on a crash course for Vegas by the end of this season. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. I will talk briefly once it's wrapped up. And thank you to Dave for doing this with me for this episode. 
All right. I am joined by Mr. Dave Aikman of the Vegas Nightly Podcast. Dave, how are you doing today now that we've wrapped up this four-game series? I'm doing pretty good today, man. It's uh, As we know, it's been a busy week, and we're not used to playing teams four times in a row in the middle of the season. So, you know, you could tell some frustration between both teams at the end there, man. And it's just going to get better because both our teams are just awesome. I would agree. I think this is the first time in Avalanche history they've played the same team four times in a row. That was supposed to be the Wild, but the fourth game of that series got shut down, obviously, due to all the Wild testing files. And I imagine this is Vegas's first time as well going through it with their short history. Um, actually, no. We played Arizona four times in a row at the beginning of the year, I believe, unless one of those got canceled. I, I, I can't remember. It originally was supposed to be four. But I can't remember if one of the Arizona games got canceled or not. I don't think it did. So I think we already did our Arizona four games in a row. Thinking back, I think they did end up finishing that out. Because I remember the last game Vegas played was against St. Louis. Yes. Because I was doing all that research for the show. Like like we talked about previously, the how Colorado and Vegas hadn't really played many cup contenders or even division contenders up to the point of the series. And that's why I was so excited to really – get into this series because the avalanche we played the blues twice beginning of the season vegas they played st louis once ended okay. in a shootout we've had these big breaks we've kind of gone back and forth with the bottom feeding teams a little bit what have been your main takeaways now that we've wrapped up this four game series between what are in my opinion two of the better teams in the league well as everyone already knows and we talked about quite a bit in our practice is how talented the avs are but now Vegas knows how exactly how fast the Avs are. And we were talking about the four of us, me, Eric, Andrew, and Carla, we were talking about it on Sunday before our Monday podcast is there reminds us, Colorado reminds us of how Vegas was the first season of Vegas. This the way they skate with the buck, they cycle around and they can just outskate people. And that's something that really stood out. And the fact that, you guys were really, really able to get your top line with the McKinnon line against our fourth line, which with the exception of Carrier, it's not exactly a fast line. Yeah, this was certainly an interesting matchup to watch on both sides. What I took away the most from this series has to be Marc-Andre Fleury and just how well he played. I knew that Fleury was having a strong, I don't want to say bounce back because he was very strong last year as well, but I don't think anyone had the expectation that he was going to be playing this well into the season. Philip Grubauer in Colorado has been playing great oh, yeah, as well. Sure. And Flurry has really been maybe the one goalie in the league that's been able to play even better than him. And what I took away from Vegas's skaters is that Colorado, they have the advantage down the middle with obviously a star like McKinnon and some depth like Kadri, but Vegas on the wings, they're definitely able to match Colorado in their depth and, it's almost a shame that this isn't a playoff series yet. I'm almost as much as I was tired of Vegas and tired of seeing flurry and tired of seeing him stop every shot. I feel like maybe these two teams might be on a crash course for the playoffs at some point. What do you think of that? Oh, completely agree. I, I mean, we, we said that amongst ourselves too, when we last recorded is that it's pretty much a dead given that no matter who we play in the first round, the second round is going to be Colorado and Vegas. Because, I mean, nobody can really match. I mean, St. Louis is going to give, you know, both of us trouble. Um, but we don't see that St. Louis could beat either one of us in a playoff series at, at this current time. 
And even though I said, it's like, I don't really like completely saying, so, oh, we don't match up well with this team or that team right away because we haven't hit the trade deadline yet. You don't know about injuries. But right now, yeah, the other guys have the, the feeling that Colorado would have the advantage against us. And I, I kind of agree because, you, like you said, you're center depth. Uh, I mentioned it myself is that I want to see more scoring out of our centers. Yeah, they, they're getting they're dishing out. They're getting plenty of assists, but you don't see our centers really putting the puck in the net. It is our wingers, like you said, Pacioretty, Stone, uh, and Marshall as well, too. They're the ones who are getting most of our goals right now. And few from our blue line between Theodore and White Cloud, but uh, you're absolutely right. The, the center depth is tipping the scales. We believe in that. Uh, with Flurry, yeah, nobody really expected that kind of year. Yeah, there's expectations that he's going to be good. He's going to be elite. But he's he, he's stepped it up notch. He's probably one of the leading candidates for the Vesnas already. I'd say I'd say he's the leading candidate for the Vesna right now. And I'd put Philip Grubauer in a solid second. And it's not a knock against Grubauer at all. But what you were just saying about center depth maybe tipping the scale in the Avalanche favor, I feel like in a seven-game playoff series, what has me worried is – not just Mark Andre Fleury, but Robin Leonard when he comes back and help. I know he's been dealing with some injuries during this series, but even if yep. he wasn't, do you take Fleury out of the net in this series? Oh, absolutely not. So. No, absolutely not. He is right now clear cut number one, and it depends on how Leonard does when he comes back, and we'll see what the board does. But right now, it's obviously it's it's Fleury as the number one. So he's just he's been amazing this year. I think it would just be a real shame if we don't get a seven game series out of these two, or at least not seeing it at all in the playoffs. Cause you never know in the NHL, there's always a shot that something might happen. And, you know, like with St. Louis, they have that playoff experience. Like let's just for sake of argument, Vegas wins division, Colorado gets second. And yeah. you can pretty much Sharpie in St. Louis into third place. I don't think they're getting past or passing anyone above them. Yeah. But there's there's some incentive to win this division because St. Louis, even if they even if wh whoever ends up playing them ends up beating them, they're going to take a chunk out of you by the end of that series. And once we do get to that hopeful second round series, I think the team that faces that eventual fourth seed is going to be a lot fresher coming into it. And, you know, I completely agree there, too, because for one thing, though, too, on top of this, how uh, much of a bruising team the Blues are, Bennington's he's been up and down. He's had stretches where he's been awesome and stretches where he's shit the bed. Just like that one game, I think, I think it was Bennington that was in that game against Colorado. Wasn't it? That, yes. they, you guys just the, trounced him. Yeah. That the second game of the year, that eight, nothing game. I think that series against St. Louis for Bennington really defines his entire season so far. He had that fantastic first game four to one against the avalanche. And then the next game, the blues really kind of leave him out to dry and the game ends up, I'm pretty sure it was either four, nothing or five, nothing by the end of the second. And then they put their back yep. up in before it was eight, nothing, but Bennington was not doing himself any favors. And that you can see that in just game by game. And if you look at his numbers, sometimes he's stopping everything in sight and other times he's given up four or five to the Kings or sharks. Yeah. That's something I definitely noticed too. Cause he was like that against us too. He would have stretches even within a game where, you know, get these awesome shots off, but he's seeing it and stopping everything. And then he gives up a goal. It's like, how the hell did that go in? Yeah, he's definitely so. a very up and down goalie. And I would think that both Colorado and Vegas has that advantage in net, or I would at least 
hope so. My concern with Colorado, and I've talked about this a lot on my show, is that while Vegas has Marc-Andre Fleury, even if they lose him for a few games, they're not dead in the water because they have Robin Leonard. If Colorado loses Grubauer or Grubauer just loses a step, they're screwed because there is nothing right now. Pavel Francouz has not played a game this season due to injuries. We're probably at some point, and we have an upcoming back-to-back against Arizona, we're going to probably see Adam Warner make his NHL debut in net just because Hunter Miska hasn't worked out. And by the time we get to the playoffs, admittedly, I'm a bit concerned that maybe Grubauer is going to end up playing maybe 80, maybe 85% of the game so far this season, depending on when Francois comes back or what we do at the trade deadline, if we do end up acquiring another goalie, because based on all updates, Francois is not coming back anytime soon. And we've played Grubauer all but two or three games. I don't think it's no more than three. And yeah. they lost all of those games. Yeah, I'm a little bitter about Francois too, because he was one of my fantasy picks in one of my leagues as well, too. So he kind of screwed me. So, um, but I, yeah, I understand on that. Another thing I would say about the Avs, too, I mean, yeah, they've had, they won some playoff series. But they don't have quite the experience like Vegas does, ironically, when it comes to going deep in the playoffs. I mean, they have some, some players, but the, the youth, you know, like Makar and um, I can't think of the other defenseman's name all of a sudden. Byron. Byron. You know, but it's, I mean, talent, man. It, the, the talent you guys have is just amazing. You guys, I mean, you got, you got cap room too, you know, for, so you guys are going to be one of the leading contenders for the West, you know, when we get back to our normal conferences and divisions for a long time. Yeah. I mean, Makar expires after this season, so we'll see what that contract looks like. Yep. And Landeskog expires after this one, too. I think what you were just saying about playoffs here is the, fu- the funny thing about Vegas is that we are on identical playoff streaks. It's just yep. Vegas, Colorado made the playoffs after that season, worst season a few years ago. The same season Vegas came into the league. Actually, ironically, I was I was rooting for a Vegas Colorado playoff series that year, and we were very very close yes, to getting it. I thought that yeah. would have been a once in a lifetime kind of series where you have an expansion team in Vegas taking on the worst team of the salary cap era from last season. I I thought it was a shame that we didn't end up getting that. And last year too, just a game seven overtime away from having this series again. I think we're overdue honestly for I, I would agree on there and as and as you and I we've talked about this before uh like on after hours when I I mean personally it is hard for me to say that being from Detroit originally you know but it's just it, it's good for the NHL it, it really is good for the NHL to have a good Colorado team I would agree with that I mean as a original Washington fan and everything I I don't love the golden knights all that much but i can't argue that their success is absolutely crucial for the league right now i mean i don't know if you saw the the viewership numbers for the outdoor game and we can talk about that in a moment if you'd like to the the first period of that game was the most watched regular season game i think in a very very long time and the bruins flyers game from start to finish was the most viewed regular season game in quite some time i believe so there's there's certainly some interest surrounding these teams. And speaking of that outdoor game, what did you what did you make of that whole situation with the we're going to play the first period and probably not 
resume the second and for nine hours. What did you make of that? I, I mean, we get that they wanted some scenic things there, but my thing is that you don't, the liability, I mean, imagine if like McKinnon got hurt or Fleury got hurt or somebody like that got hurt. The, the backlash the league was going to get on that. I mean, it, it, to me, it wasn't worth it. I mean, yeah, we got some pretty shots. It. it was an awesome scene. Um, I've never been to Tahoe myself personally. I mean, it's eight hours from where I'm at, but it's, man, the liability. I mean, the Flyers and Bruins the next day when they started out, the, the sunset on there just, it looked great on that. So in hindsight, they probably should have started at the same time they wanted Philadelphia and Boston to start. But damn, it's like, I can only just say here and think, it's like, what if we would have lost one of our star players or multiple, you know? And you guys just had a whole bunch of players come back. Yeah, I mean, this that Lake Tahoe game and eventually the final game against Vegas is really the first time in over a month this team has been healthy. And for the NHL to send them out there knowing that, I mean, even Wes McCauley was taking tumbles on the yep. ice at some point. I mean, that first period, as beautiful as it looked, was some of the worst hockey I have ever seen. The second the puck hit the boards, it, it would go nowhere. And... Mm-hmm. My problem with it is that they were planning on moving the Bruins game before puck drop from what I heard. Yes. And they didn't think of moving. Like, it's just, you could have, what ended up happening with the Bruins game, like you said, the first period was still gorgeous. The sun wasn't fully down yet, but it also wasn't noon where the sun is beaming directly down onto the ice. I don't care how cold it is. The sun is going to melt the ice. Exactly. I mean, I, I teach science, so that's a basic science concept that, that I teach already. Just weather is one of my biggest things. And people was like, well, because they compared it to the Vegas outdoor game back in 1991 or whatever year it was. It's like, well, they had an outdoor game in Vegas in 85 degrees. How come they can't keep the ice there? It's like it has nothing to do with the heat necessarily. It has to do with direct sunlight because there's a thing called sublimation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like. And admittedly, I didn't think it was going to be a problem coming into the game, but also I don't get paid to do this. And it's not my salary or reputation that's on the job. I I assumed that one of the top four sports leagues in the country would have it figured out to the point that we wouldn't need to push a game back nine hours and start a second period at midnight. I mean, I was, I thought it was hilarious that the time between goals, but between, um, Gerard and nine hours to the minute second Gerard and Martinez nine hours to the minute. That's, that's a record that's never getting broken. I would know. I would at least hope not definitely not in an indoor game at least, but no, the loss of a drastic happens. You know, I remember a game in Carolina being canceled because the the refrigeration machines under the ice quit working. So, uh, but that's about the only thing drastic I could ever think of ever happening there. But yeah, nine hours right down to the exact second between and midnight start for the East coast. Yeah, that was terrible. But I, from what I can gather is they made it that time is so they gave the ice extra time to solidify, especially after sun went down because it wouldn't be perfect right away after sundown. So it, it just, yeah, it, it sucked. I mean, nine o'clock here on the West Coast, not too bad, but still, you know, you don't want to do that to a lot of people, especially, you know, you got the East Coast bias, not really bias, but that's where a lot of eyes come from. 
Yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was hard for me because I'm out here on the the East Coast, and admittedly, I kind of liked it once it once it got to midnight, and I got over the annoyance of having the game moved back. Like once it was just okay, it's midnight time to watch hockey. Yep. It was it was kind of cool, honestly. I kind of liked the dark Lake Tahoe and everything. And it once the ice was good, the game itself I thought was great. I thought that was the best game of this four game series. Was that outdoor game it was definitely the most exciting hockey and at least the one i will remember the most of this four game stretch this this four game stretch just to switch course a little bit here it what turned out to be very interesting because the avalanche they hadn't played coming into this series in about a week and a half since they played the wild and i thought they played very well in that first game it just so happened that flurry was going to play even better and we ended up having that one nothing score and the Avalanche would win the next two, the one outdoors, and then Vegas would wrap it up with another shutout. Honestly, my opinions on both of these teams aren't very different coming into the series as they are coming out of it. What, what do you think about that? Has any of your opinions changed on Vegas or Colorado after these four games? I have a few more concerns about consistent scoring. Uh, that's kind of like what happened to us in the playoffs last year. But as I said earlier, though, too, I, I don't make full judgments about it anything happening to like maybe after a trade deadline to see what kind of depth they get. And then it's like in that fourth game, they completely shuffle the lines. You know, the lines were completely different for Vegas in that fourth game. Uh, everybody changed. You had patch ready down, down what would you technically call the third line? You had tuck go from the third line to the first line. Uh, the defensive pairings got all changed as well too. So um, that mixed it up for Vegas and maybe gave them an energy boost. But as you know, we'll see what happens here in the next few games. Like our next game's already been canceled because the uh, Saint San Jose. That's right. Is down. right. Yep, there's a there's a hurdle. He's on the COVID list, and who knows who else? But they that game's already been canceled tomorrow. So who knows what will happen in our next game after that? Do you guys have a series coming up against the Sharks, or is it like a one? Uh, that was one of the rescheduled games originally. Wow. So oh. after that, yeah, that sounds let, worse. Let, yep. I don't have the schedule memorized off the top of my head because, you know, I've been grading papers all day. So uh, after that, we we go down to Anaheim. That's a, I mean, I, I think having a rescheduled game canceled again might be even worse, but the fact that yes. it's only one at least is somewhat of a sigh of relief and not have to sit out five games like the abs did earlier this month, but hopefully sharks get over that soon. I believe we have a we have a busy rest of the week coming up. We have the Wild tonight as we're recording this, and then a back to back against Arizona, and then we see the Sharks twice next week. So hopefully this doesn't take too long. I'm not yeah. looking forward to another week with nothing to talk about again. The the longer this goes on, that I we say the chances of every team playing 56 games is going down. Man, and what's bothered me the most is that we still use points for standings right now when it should be points percentage. Like right now, St. Louis is in second, mostly because they've played way more games than we have. The Avalanche off the top of my head, I believe they've played 13 games and St. Louis just played seven games in a row against Arizona in that whole time that we were out. Yep. So it's a little skewed right now, but every time they bring it up on TV, or just anywhere for that matter. They only show the points and not the points percentage because I don't think we're getting all teams to 56 games by the end of the season. There's going to be there's going to be a couple here and there that is just going to get outright canceled, especially if they're unimportant games against like a, a six and seven in the divisions. 
So inevitably, it's going to be points percentage that determines playoff spots just like it was last year. I completely agree on that. I mean, before the San Jose game tomorrow was canceled, I, I believe Colorado had played one less than Vegas. Yeah, that's added, right. You know, those handful canceled as well, too. So, but yeah, it, it's just unreal. So, and I still can't believe that, you know, Vegas announced the other day that they're now allowing fans into the building. Yeah, it's a it's a sticky situation around the league because you've got all I think that I think the league is past the worst of it from early February where they had like six teams at the same time shut down. We're going to see teams still be shut down, but I think that was the worst of it. But you, it's hard to see players still getting positive tests and see games getting shut down, but also we're allowing fans in the building and like. Buffalo was in the midst of almost a month long break and in the middle of it announced that they're letting fans back in the arena. And so did the devils for that matter. I mean, the devils had 20 players in protocol. I was was just going to mention that New Jersey having that many players out. And it's just like, are you kidding me? I mean, I me personally, I'm, I'm high risk. So, I mean, I'm an original season ticket holder. So, um, but they did let us, pause on our tickets until next season so they won't punish this if we don't go but um and i believe it's only a 20 percent for vegas and obviously they'll spread everybody out into pods and everything but that's a lot that's a lot more than other teams i believe i think the most i've seen is 10 uh i believe arizona was 15 but i I could be wrong on that yeah arizona they started the season. arizona and florida ironically started the season with fans it's the first time in history they lead the league in attendance yeah, no kidding. So, anyway, I got to ask you about Marc-Andre Fleury real quick, because this is a situation that's intrigued me for the last few months or so. Ever since the Fleury's agent tweeted out that picture of the Excalibur <laughs> in his back, even as I've been very fascinated by what's going to happen in the future with Marc-Andre Fleury and the Golden Knights. What do you see happening here? Is this Flurry's last season in Vegas, no matter how well he plays since they just locked up Robin Leonard, even though Flurry has one more season after this? Or do you think they ride it out until Flurry is a free agent? Or do they try to get like that big haul for him at the end of this offseason? Obviously not this season at the end at the earliest. But what do you think of that? Uh, when we came into the season, I said the earliest that they will trade him is actually next offseason when this season's over. That was just me personally. Uh, the way he's played now, I don't see it happening at all, even through his, the rest of his contract. Now, you'll have a lot of people around here saying, Zach, yeah, you got to get rid of somebody you uh, or you got to do something next year. You, you just can't have $12 million in goalies on one team and you can't have either a $7 million player or a $5 million player players sitting on the bench in the playoffs and whatnot. I'm like, I'm me personally. I say like, who cares? There's no cap in the playoffs. And you want to have that insurance policy in case one of them gets hurt. And I do know that it's a, it's a couple other people say it's like, it's like, well, if you lose one goal, you're probably going to end up losing the series. Anyway. I'm like, no, that not when you have no. caliber of either flurry or Leonard. I mean, yeah, Leonard is not, did not have the greatest start. But we kind of attribute to his injury because he had off-season off or surgery uh, before this season started, and it seems to be the same issue as to what's happening to him now is that surgery he had before this season started. So there, there's there's still faith there as long as he can get that worked out. 
But the way, like we said, the way Flurry is playing, I do not see him leaving. He doesn't want to leave either. Either it's what's been put out there. So, or even if he did get traded, they're moving right back to Vegas. They they said that the family's posted numerous times and talked to people in the area that no matter what happens, they are not going to leave the Vegas Valley. You know, I would agree with like <clears throat> if you have the bet like this is the best goaltending tandem in the league bar none no debate if you have that i don't see the rush to really get rid of it because you, you can't keep all these guys now if, if vegas had a ton of expiring contracts at the end of the season i could see the argument but i'm just looking at vegas's cap friendly right now they have two contracts expiring this season and it's yeah, thomas martinez and, who's and the other martinez one? thomas nosek is the other one nosek. expiring so i mean Alec Martinez, I mean, that's a kind of important guy on defense, but replaceable, especially at, what is it, $4 million? Yep. I don't see, I, I don't see how Flurry gets moved if he's playing this way. I mean, it's crazy to think, like, just a few months ago, we were talking about Vegas attaching, like, picks and prospects to him to dump his salary. Yep. But it, there just... was a report out there that said that Pittsburgh was asking for Flurry back, and they would have, uh, gave us a sweetener. It was like, now wait a minute, how do you go from Vegas having to retain salary, having to give up picks to get rid of Flurry to this? It, it that's just to show you how well he's played this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all it's a little ironic, obviously, that the Penguins would want Flurry back. Especially, I I still can't get over the fact that the Penguins gave Vegas another pick to take Flurry in the expansion draft was 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 that the pick they used this season or traded this season at 2022nd I believe so yes I believe so that's great that's I can't believe they did that that Vegas expansion draft I mean no matter how well Seattle does in their expansion draft it is not going to be as good as it you'd like Seattle's not going to be getting an Alex Tuck and Eric Halla in the same yeah. draft. They're going to have to be a little more creative, I, I imagine. Now, there's actually two ways to kind of think about that. With the flat cap here, some teams are going to be wanting to get rid of players. So Seattle might be able to take advantage of it and, absolutely, you know, just come out gangbusters. Uh, me personally, I'd say, no, you're going to have some GMs be a little more conservative this time because of what happened with Vegas. I mean, it, it just, it depends on everything with the cap. And, you know, we know it's going to stay flat next year because – Teams are not letting fans in for the most part. And that's where a lot of money comes in is fans coming into the buildings. Yeah. I mean, that's the main source of revenue in the league. And we all expected for this last off season, like a big off season teams can't afford this player and that player and nothing happened really outside yeah. of like a few moves. I mean, the biggest trade of the last year happened during the season with the line, a trade and, I've gotten my hopes up for every off season in the last few years. Like, Oh man, this one's gotta be great. And then like, and an expansion draft is automatically interesting, but yeah, with a flat salary cap, GMs are just by nature going to be more conservative unless like Seattle's willing to take money off the books for nothing in return. But yeah, it's interesting times. And luckily for Vegas, they don't have to deal with it, but they're, they're not getting the expansion money though, either out of that deal which oh, that's true i forgot vegas said like they don't they're not giving up a player and they're not are they they're not getting the expansion money out of any of they're those? not getting the expansion money so all the the expansion fee monies which is a lot more than what it was when vegas came in it's going to all the other 30 teams it's not, vegas doesn't see a dime out of it yeah. now there was a recent report here that or somebody speculated that what vegas is going to do is 
a lot of those teams that are have prospects that are going to be eligible is they might be willing to deal those prospects for some of Vegas's better prospects and kind of work out deals that way. So they don't have to lose players in that fashion. So they would pick up some of Vegas's prospects that are not eligible for the expansion draft. They'll have that two year window and then Vegas will pick up some of those players that are out of that two year window to broaden the prospects pool for both teams. I, I can just imagine it now, Vegas getting another fleecing from another team for another expansion draft, this time that isn't even theirs. I can just imagine the outrage at that again, especially if it's a team like Florida or Minnesota that they just took to school in the last expansion draft. People hate us for that all, as much as it is already. When I, I can't say I blame them at all either, you know. It, you got to take advantage of the rules that you're given. A lot of people say, oh, the expansion draft is rigged. Not exactly rigged. It's just that they took advantage of the rules. It's, yeah, like absolutely. absolutely. Talk I mean, in holla. Yeah, they didn't oh. cheat. It was just the general managers didn't do a great job with it. Just, I mean, there hadn't been one in so long, but Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith came over for basically free. That's not cheating. They'll take them. Theodore out of Anaheim? Yeah, he's a one of the better defenders in the league right now. I mean, what, like, Shea Theodore, how did that happen? Wasn't, like, Clayton owner? Uh, Anaheim what? wanted to protect Montour and somebody else. Raquel? And that Was it Raquel? No, it wasn't Rappel. It was one of the other defensemen, I believe. It, ah. I think. But, it, you know, the funny thing is, that one other player is not even with him. I think he's the one who got traded to New Jersey. I can't remember his name all of a sudden, though. Um, Vatnin. I think it might have been Montour himself. Sammy Vatnin. Yes, Vatnin. Yes, Vatnin. Yeah. It was yeah. Vatnin. Mont- Montour's not with them either. He's in Buffalo. Yep. So they got so, and so the, the decision to let them have Shea Theodore, they ended up getting Adam Henrique, who just got put on waivers the other day out of Sammy Vatnin. And they got a first-round pick for, what was his name, Montour from Buffalo. And I think that turned into, meh, whatever. So, man. I mean, They have some talent on the farm, though, too. So, yeah. In Vegas, there's... Looking at their cap, for, I hadn't looked at Vegas's cap situation in a while. It is not nearly as bad as people make it out to be sometimes. I mean, they're right up against it, but it's not like they have like big contracts coming up anytime soon. Like with the Avalanche, like I've talked about, like we're going to be paying Kale McCarr this offseason and Landeskog this offseason. That's going to make the salary cap a little dicey and maybe not be able to field as good a team next year. But with Vegas, like we just said, no sick and Martinez is it. Now, we would like to have Martinez back. No sick, you know, you could probably, you could easily find another player. Martinez arguably has been our best defenseman this year. I mean, he's got, he's picked up some goals here and there, but with consistency, he's probably been our most consistent defenseman besides maybe White Cloud. That would be very interesting. I would be interested to see what he asks for at 33 years old, coming off a $4 million contract since. 2015. I mean, I was impressed by him in the way he played against the Avalanche. I mean, I never really noticed anyone burning him. Like the on the McKinnon goal in the outdoor game, obviously Petrangelo was very noticeably burned. In yeah, and he even said he saw. He's like, oh yeah. boy, oh boy. I mean, that's that's a that's a highlight that's going to live forever. Every anytime you talk about McKinnon, it's going to be like, oh, oh boy. Yeah, and, and it's the he picked up he didn't neutral zone, man. You you know you're you're screwed. Yeah, you give you give a guy like that the kind of 
steam to blow down the wing. It's it's like McDavid. It's like Matthews. You're not going to stop. Your only hope is that he doesn't hit the net at that point. Uh, back to trading the goal. I think one thing I forgot to mention is, and I'm going to bring it back. And I know the boys on my pads, they gave me crap all the time whenever I bring up Detroit stuff. But I remember 99 when Detroit was going for the three feet. They had Osgood, but they didn't have a decent backup. They traded for a backup who actually ended up being trash. But Osgood got hurt right before the Colorado series. Uh, Detroit won the first two games. Osgood gets hurt. Colorado takes the next four and no three-peat there. And then Colorado plays Dallas in the conference finals, though Dallas won that. But either one of those three teams, I could have won the cup that year. Yeah, I mean, what you just said is making me sweat a little bit about our situation right now. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's Philip Grubauer versus the world right now until we can either get a consistent backup or Pavel Francis comes back, or maybe Adam Warner just proves to be good enough yeah. but at 23. I, I doubt he's that NHL ready. So if like, if that, I mean, we had that situation last year for Colorado against Dallas Grubauer goes down in the first game, Francis comes in and stinks and then gets hurt. And we're down to Michael Hutchinson. And as we know, we end up losing that series. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully, Grubauer's had an outstanding year. Yeah. I've been pretty impressed. Just with with his injury history, it's my only drawback about him. I am I am the at the top of the mountain when it comes to Grubauer praise, but even I can't overlook the the injuries he's dealt with in recent years. Just I'm well, wor- I'm worried. It's, it, I think about it this way to bring a, a football analogy and Matt Stafford with the Lions, the first mm-hmm. couple of years, he always got hurt. And then all of a sudden he just stopped getting hurt. And he well, lots of times he played through it, but he just stopped getting significant injuries where he didn't have to play anymore. So that's oh, I tell some people too. It's like you can't always say. I mean, yeah, even though somebody has history of that, you can't always re, you can't always rely on something that always happening because you can't predict what's going to happen. No, you really can't. It's just they, Grubauer. He he was barely ready for the season. I'm like, the plan coming into the season was for him to play 36 games. And for Francois to get the other little bit, another 20 games or so. And that's the same number Grubauer played last season. But by the time we're done here, Grubauer might be playing more games than he did last season in a shortened season, which yeah. I'd, be, I'd be worried about coming into the season, whether he's completely healthy or not, or going into the playoffs. I mean, regardless of who we're playing this an exhausted goalie doesn't work well. I mean, the last I can remember of a goalie playing so much was Cam Talbot for the Oilers back in their playoff run before uh, the season before Vegas. And yeah. he was he was cooked at that point. He had one good round, and he, he couldn't do anything yeah. after that. Vegas's second year, and a little bit the third year, too, before, uh, you know, Leonard came in. But the second year, Flurry played like 60-some-odd games because they, they just did not trust Subban. Uh, Subban usually only played when Flory was either hurt or in a back-to-back. And even sometimes during back-to-backs, they still played Flurry both games because they just could not rely on Subban. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough situation. You need a backup in the NHL. And I didn't worry about it coming into the season, but Pavel Francouz just did something to himself and we have not seen him at all since. And I hope he... He can come back soon. But before we go, I just got to get your prediction on a playoff series, if it does happen between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Let's say they meet up in the second round. 
Who wins? How many games? What do you think? Either way, I would say that that's like I said, it's going to probably going to be a seven game series. Uh, as at this point right now, the way the teams stand, I'm I would lean towards Colorado being the favorite just because of their talent and their speed. Uh, but as you said earlier, if Flurry plays the way he has been, I could see Vegas win in that series. It, it just depends on, like you said, Flurry versus Colorado's speed and center depth. Because right now, uh, our center depth is not the greatest. I mean, we have decent centers. We're waiting for Cody Glass to, you know, fully show his talent. But Flurry would be the tipping point. So I would say, as of right now, the way things stand, Vegas in, in seven. But I could easily see it being the other way, too, because I just not one totally to make predictions. But I would very much agree with that, especially that it hinges on Marc-Andre Flurry almost entirely because – like I said earlier, I my opinions of these teams did not change throughout this series, and I a 2-2 is pretty much almost exactly what I expected. And the difference was Marc-Andre Fleury, especially in the first game. He's perfect. And in that, in that fourth game, I think Vegas would have ended up winning anyway just because of the amount of mistakes that the Avalanche ended up making this game, but Fleury didn't even give him a chance. So if Fleury plays like that, you're – you're going to have a hard time winning that series. Even pushing it seven would be difficult if he's playing at that level. Yeah. But if they can break through Flurry, and then I would give the edge to the Avalanche just with the center depth and the amount of speed that they have. And what I would love most about that series is that last year they both suffered against Dallas with those overtime losses, Colorado game seven, overtime, Vegas, I think Vegas expected that series to be maybe a little easier than it ended up being. And Dallas eventually brushes them aside. There's a lot of playoff pain in that matchup. Yep. And one of them would have to lose. And with Colorado, I think you got to get out of the second round this time. Cause it's not cute anymore. Like I've said on my show, you've lost in the, the second round twice now, and you haven't been to the second round in a, a, a while now, or at least I'm sorry, the, the third round in a while now. So I just think the motivation factor might come from Colorado a little harder, but the tipping point would be Fleur. If, if you can't beat the goalie, you're not going to beat the team, especially in the playoffs. It's just that simple. The team with the hot goalie like Dallas last year goes the farthest. Yeah. We, we've all seen it where, you know, even technically crap teams, if they get a hot goalie, they're going to go far. I, I remember Anaheim in 2003 behind John Sebastian Chiguerre. You know, just it's like he came out of nowhere and took them to game seven of the final and losing the jersey that year. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, Pekka Rene for Nashville a few years ago, not to say they were a trash team. I love that team that year. Yeah, they but were very Pekka, good. Pekka Rene, he, he stood on his head. I mean, even in the, the Vancouver Vegas series, Thatcher Demko came in and mm -hmm. that was a big scare for a while. I thought Vancouver might actually pull that off for a second. And, and that's where my scoring concerns come from because uh, it was mostly coming from the outside, nothing much coming down the middle in that series. And that's where my big concern is with this team right now. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. So hopefully we can get to that playoff series sometime in the future. And we're not going to see each other again for till March 25th, I believe almost a, a month from tomorrow, actually. So we'll, 
March 25th. That's the same date of the brawl between Detroit and Colorado. That's funny. Well, hopefully that's not leading into. Yeah, exactly. Anything. I don't see that happening because. Not yet. Our, team, our two teams, there's not that kind of hate between the teams. Maybe after a playoff series, maybe. But no, it's it's a talented rivalry. Yeah, there's. I mean, we still got four games left to the season to go through, and then we'd like to think a playoff series to get through. So maybe by this time next season, we might have some sort of brawl between the two, but definitely not yet. But nothing we, on the scale of the Battle of Alberta. No, no, not, nothing. Not even after a playoff series. No, this is this is not going to be a new. <laughs> this is not going to be a new Red Wings rivalry for the. No, average. no, no. I mean, even them that. That they're a long way off anyway. No, yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on today, Dave. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys in a month, month from tomorrow. And I think this division's gonna be one and two, and it's gonna come right down to the final game between these two for who's gonna get that top spot. Uh, I completely agree. And thanks for having me on. This, I, this is always fun for me. So um, I'll, I'll come back, you know, and then. Maybe we can work something out too on our end. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year. And I pretty much I, I don't put guarantees on anything, but I, I very lean very strongly towards us having a playoff series. I certainly hope so. So thank you so much for coming on, Dave. And if you guys want to listen to his show, it's the Vegas Nightly Podcast, also on the Hockey Podcast Network. Dave, if you want to shout out your guys real quick before we go. All right. Yeah, there are four of us on there. Uh Carlo is at some dude 88. Uh, Andrew is at, at Choi VGK. Uh, and Eric Simonis uh, is at Eric Simonis 13, S I M O N I S, I believe. And then my personal one is at Aikman CMU. And then our podcast is at Vegas Nightly. All right. And that is one of the better shows on the network, in my opinion. So thank you also. Thank you for coming on today, Dave. We really appreciate it. And we will see you guys in a month. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that was Mr. Dave Aikman of the Vegas Nightly Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to their show on the Hockey Podcast Network. So basically, I agree with a lot of what Dave said. I think Vegas and Colorado are very even teams, and we are on a crash course to meet in the playoffs. But moving on to tonight's game against Minnesota, Basically, there are no more excuses for this Avalanche team against the Wild. You're not playing Marc-Andre Fleury. You're playing in as a healthy team. You got no real injuries outside of Johnson and Francois, but Grubauer is going to be playing anyway, so you're just missing Johnson. There are no excuses anymore, and that's a good thing. That's not me pinning anything on this team. It's just there are no excuses. You need to beat the Wild, you know, and... This upcoming month against teams like the Wild and the Sharks, a lot of these games are going to be played at home. So there really is no excuse. Like like I've repeated numerous times on this show, the games against Vegas and St. Louis are the big games of this season. And you don't have any of those until, like we talked about, next month against Vegas. You don't see St. Louis for a while. 25th against Vegas, 25th of March, that is. Next time you see one of those two teams again, the rest... The Sharks, and man, you play the Sharks, the first and the third, and then you don't play on the road until the 22nd against Arizona. You have basically from Friday the 5th until Saturday the 20th, all home games. 
that is, if I can do any sort of math in my head real quick and just count these out, that is 11 games, 11 home games in a row. That is a, that is a crazy homestand. Then you hit the road for a back-to-back in Arizona, and then you have four more home games after that. This is the time to start banking points after this, especially in March. This is the time you really got to start to not only keep pace with Vegas, but pass them if you want to win this division. There, like, there is, quite frankly, no excuse to come out of this month and not be ahead of Vegas. Like, you're only playing Vegas twice. You're not playing St. Louis at all. This, this is the time. This is the time to pull away with this division. There's, none of these teams should be able to match. I'm not saying you have to win every single one of these games because that's impossible. You're not going. May, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe they will. And maybe I'm saying my expectation's too low, but they're going to lose a few of those games. But my point is there should be no issues in these games. This We're going to be well past the quarter mark of the season. You should have things figured out, and you should be trouncing teams like the Sharks, Ducks, Coyotes, and Kings. It's... It's time. Like I said, this team has a bit more to give, and I want to see them run through the month of March and put the, the league, at very least the rest of the division, on notice that this is the team that we were promised. But anyway, that is going to do it for me on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you so much to Dave for coming on for this episode. Follow the guys at Vegas Nightly on Twitter at Vegas Nightly and follow me at G Young's NHL and follow the show at Tell It Avs It Is. Thank you all so much for tuning in. There is no show without you guys and I will catch you all next time once we have this game against Minnesota wrapped up tonight and another game against Arizona in the books later this week. Thank you all and I will see you next time. 